0: Central Friday. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shah here in the mobile Kintec studio at Savon Foods Memorial Center in Victoria. We wrap up day two of Canucks training camp. Kintec footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What was day two all about? Day two was all about the most buzzword of buzzwordy words around the Canucks organization since Rick Tockett came in. Structure.
1: (laughs) Structure, structure, and some more structure?
0: (laughs) That's what it was about. It was all about structure. Um, You know, for those uh, in attendance here, you know, we watched a lot of drills focusing on Retrievals, focusing on board battles, focusing on puck support, breakouts, transition game, all those types of things, Sat, that Mm -hmm. uh, aren't exactly um, all that flashy, but... It's the things that this team hasn't really got down right for so many years.
1: Things they have to hone in on, and it's been uh, the topic du jour in this market for what seems like the better part of a year, structure and all that. And, yeah, the focus was on that, the breakouts, the retrievals, the forechecking, the puck support. And it's hard to evaluate individuals right now, and we know the coach mentioned some guys performed okay and, and all this, but I think it's more about evaluating how they're going about things as a team and at the individual evaluation I think is going to be even heavier in the preseason this time around because when you're not doing as many you know rush drills or like you know three on three or four on four or five on five drills and, and, and actual play, we'll see some scrimmage. It's hard to really I think evaluate guys. So it's interesting that not only are we going to evaluate individuals on how they how they are performing once the preseason comes around, Dan, but we're going to evaluate how they can play within the expected structure and the details. And I think that actually sets up a really intriguing preseason when usually we're just trying to get through the preseason and I think seeing the focus be this much on their structure and, and their habits and details how does that translate in individual performances as soon as Sunday when they're in Calgary?
0: We've talked about management and coaching staff being a lot more aligned this year than they had been when it was Bruce Boudreaux. One of those things that is easily apparent like go back, listen to Jim Rutherford listen to Patrick Alvine. We need to get to a place where our structure is is second nature to Mm -hmm. the players that everybody knows their job on the ice they know their role on the ice they know where the out is when they're stuck in their own zone they know where their teammates are supposed to be on the ice so if you need to make a pass in a quick second you're expecting your teammate to be there and if he's not something's gone wrong and those are the types of things that management has been talking about it was a critique they had about the team under Bruce Boudreau And that's sort of the thing that they're trying to work through right now. Execution in a game situation is always much more difficult than it is when you're just working through a drill, of course, but... You know, practice makes perfect, I guess, and they're doing their best to get to that point where it is second nature on the ice.
1: Well, they're spending three full days, and tomorrow there'll be a scrimmage, but really the focus is still on systems play. They'll still do some power play, special team stuff, but when you spend three full days at camp with instruction, off ice, on ice, about how you need to play, it is pretty comprehensive. It's still not enough for you to, you know, it become you know, muscle yeah. memory, but it's a greater focus than we typically see in a training camp sometimes in a training camp what you'll see is they'll incorporate some of the system stuff on day two and day three a little bit and do some very basic things whereas here it's like all about these are the things we're honing in on and how quickly can you get the guy switched on so this becomes the team's identity which is something we've so- spoken so much about there's been a fleeting identity here like what is truly what are you as a team this maybe brings you a little bit closer to it. And it goes back to everything we've seen from this organization this offseason. Very methodical. Get your business done as soon as possible. Be as quiet as possible. And make sure it's all about the work and having the right individuals who are dedicated to not only performing well, but doing the things they need to do to be successful.
0: 650 650 I'm an umbar Lumber text message inbox. Get your... Thoughts, comments, questions coming in. We will have a mailbag later on, so a training camp edition of Mailbag Friday here on Canuck Central coming your way in the next hour of the show. We've got a ton of exclusive interviews for you as well, including Sergey Gonchar, Brock Besser coming up later in the program today. So, some takeaways from day two. Um, I think one of the biggest things, at least at the higher end of the lineup, Quinn Hughes was playing with Carson Susie today. We spoke with Susie yesterday. Uh, Susie started training camp next to Cole McWard. Today he was bumped up to play with Quinn Hughes. Noah Juleson bumped further down the lineup. Uh, we'd sort of thought that this was going to be the pairing they want to try out at yeah. the start of camp. Was a little bit surprised not to see it yesterday, but here they were giving it a look today.
1: Yeah, and... It- I think it's almost it's too early to really hone in on the deep pairs because we've seen some fluctuations here and some changes. Maybe the one we feel the best about the season starting as a duo is probably Hironic and Cole because they remained a duo today, and maybe they're really allowing those guys. The rest is kind of like, well, is it going to be Breeze Bond Myers? Is it really going to be, you know, Juleson and Hughes, or could it be a guy like Carson Susie? And it's hard to evaluate, like we said here, because of the things they're doing. But like Rick himself mentioned, talk it can they feel like the lefty-lefty is better than any other righty option they have? And I think that's going to be something we're going to have to find out with preseason here, and I'll probably, we'll probably see Quinn play with a couple of different partners. I hope Noah Juleson, I mean, I love the story, and uh, we have a chat with him coming up a bit later on that you're not going to want to miss, but is he able to not only make the NHL team, but play a sizable role alongside Quinn Hughes this yeah. year? It's asking a lot. doesn't mean he can't do it, but it, it might be a too big of an ask straight out of camp
0: you're not necessarily looking for um, a superstar to, to play next to Quinn Hughes in a perfect world maybe maybe you have that but you know you look at top defensemen around the league sometimes it's just the type of partner that they have next to them that really works we've seen Victor Hedman work with a bunch of different players Uh, I don't think Ryan Lindgren got a ton of love around the league until he started playing with Adam Fox with the New York Rangers. So sometimes it's more about the right fit. Luke Shen was a great fit next to Quinn Hughes. Chris Tanev was an incredible fit next to Quinn Hughes early in his career. Canucks, I think, looking for a good fit next to Hughes in the here and now. One of the things, uh, because we saw some two-on-one drills, so players were working in duos at times, and we know it has mentioned duos. We're trying to figure out what exactly they are. We know Kuzmenko and Pedersen. We know Miller and Besser. But beyond that, what is it that is going to work? And today we saw Pew Suter and Connor Garland working quite a bit together in some of these duo drills. And... I have a. It, it seems very clear that they're going to spend a lot of time in preseason together mm-hmm. and potentially start the season on the same line.
1: Yeah, and there is a. I mean, obviously Garland's got a fair bit of skill, and Pia Suter is more of a. I mean, I think he's a versatile centerman, a versatile forward, I'd say. He can play wing, yeah. can play center, can play power play, can play PK, but maybe he doesn't have. A an ace up his sleeve in any one thing that he does, but he can easily play in a more yeah. skilled role. So I think in terms of looking at it from trying to create offense and being a line that can create some pressure, Garland and Suter makes a lot of sense. And if you're thinking of Bluegrass being the checking center, and we've seen him play with Phil De Giuseppe, of course, and Anthony bavillier that maybe has the makings of a stronger checking line. Whereas with Suter and Garland, and something that you've, you don't know, you've been kind of wondering about ever since free agency happened, are the Canucks able to create more offense outside of their top six? And I think that duo is probably your best bet out of the center wing duos you can create in, in addition to Miller and Pedersen. That's probably your best bet to create some consistent offense. So you probably want to give it a little bit of runway to see if they can do something.
0: It's, um, I think it's a, it's a big part of this, this team's success this year because, yeah, you're looking for more out of Brock Besser. Yeah, you're, you're looking to get pretty much the same that you've been getting out of JT, maybe more out of JT at 5-on-5, and of course Pedersen and Kuzmenko have to really carry the mail on the top line for this team. But are you going to get that next-level secondary scoring? It doesn't have to be a ton, but there has to be some credible secondary scoring beyond the top six, and I think Suter and Garland are the option that the Canucks are looking for. Now, one of the things that's sort of been noticeable here, Sat, is the depth you know we've talked about a lot of guys that could potentially make this roster you're going to hear from Archdeep Baines later on Hayden McDonough you have Atu Ratu here Linus Carlson there is a lot more intriguing depth within this organization than there has been for a couple of years now does that mean they're going to be incredible does that mean every player is going to hit obviously not But if you're honest about the situation, no matter how many third-round picks this team has traded, they've done a pretty good job of building out some credible depth beyond the NHL team. Yeah, and they have guys who have
1: some experience, and also they have players who are still deemed prospects. But even the prospects are showing you enough that you feel like he's going to play games but how effectively he's going to play those games. Whereas in the past, we looked at guys and said, I'm not even sure this guy's going to play games. Maybe he comes up and you give him a chance, but it's not really going to work. But for instance, so Patterson, Miller, Bluger, and Suter... Let's say those are your four centers this year. Yeah. You still have Sheldon Dries, whether he makes a team or not, that can play center. So he gives you a little bit of an option offensively. But then Niels Oman last year played games at the NHL level. So if he starts in Ut- in, in uh, Abbotsford, now you've got to come up and play some games and has done it. So all of a sudden now you have two guys who can play center. Then you have Atu Ratu, who's shown some decent ability. I liked, again, what I saw from him in training camp. Just his smarts and how well. Like I think his skills is underrated. He's going to be an NHL player, but how good? you might get a chance at seeing him and do what he can do. And then Max Sasson, we saw a couple of games from him last year, how, what he's looked like, development camp, young stars, here at training camp, does not look out of place. All of a sudden, how many centers do we need? Four centers? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying any of those four are going to be everyday players long term, but there is enough organizational depth that if you need to bring a couple of guys up as the season goes on, can you survive with them? And it seems like, as we sit here today, you have a few of those guys, and that can go a long way when inevitably the injuries hit and you hit a run in your season?
0: They they need more credible depth, right? And, hey, Sheldon Drys played a pretty good role. He's still around uh, for this team. You can see him coming back up. But, you know, the players that they are developing in Abbotsford do have legitimate NHL potential. Is that high-end NHL potential? Of course, there's questions still there, but um, there are players that are really intriguing and that we've seen – start to show out in camp a little bit as well. Now you know, one thing as you know, as we go through some of these interviews and, and you watch what's going on at camp and we get a better sense of how this team wants to work its lineup. You know, it's very clear they want the one lunch pail guy on every line. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Phil DiGiuseppe type that can go in hard on the four check, do some of the dirty work and try to get the puck to the better players. Uh, they wanted like they like some of Anthony Beauvillier's skill set, but they wanted him to be more of that yeah. last year, play more north-south. Tockett mentioned that quite a bit last season. They've talked about it with Nils Hoaglander, and we'll get to Tockett's thoughts on Hoaglander and Pod Colson in, in just a moment. But you know, I, I sort of have a good sense of what roles they're trying to fill in the forward group, and it's beyond those duos really trying to find that lunch pail guy for every yeah. line. What kind of roles do you think they're trying to fill out on defense?
1: And and that's where it gets super intriguing, right? Because like we kind of know already who their kind of um, higher-end guys are with yeah. with Hughes and Heronic and we haven't seen any special teams work yet, so it, it's still a question mark in terms of how each one of those guys will get used. But chances are Heronic will be on one pair, he'll be on the second unit, Hughes on the first unit. So I'm not sure you're really looking at anybody to provide any, any power play um, production. Now, on the left side... Yeah. When you look at a guy like Guillaume Briesbois, he's been getting a chance with uh, Tyler Myers so far. And when you look at even, you know, Wolanin's been getting some time, but it's been a little bit different in terms of his pairings. I think they will love to have a lefty who's a bit safer, especially if you're looking to put that guy next to a Tyler Myers. And right now, Briesbois is getting that chance right off the, right off the hop. Another guy we're going to talk to in a second, in a bit, is Matt Irwin. Yeah. Now, Breezewell is a guy that they're very high on because of the work he's done and how far he's gotten. And considering he's the second longest tenured connect behind Brock Besser, you know, he's gone through quite the journey. And I think they're trying to exhaust to see, do we have a lefty here in addition to a guy like Akito Hirose, who they're going to give some time, I think. Do you have somebody that can be a bit of a two-way presence, especially a more calming presence? So I think when you start looking at who are the guys who are really trying to see can make the team on the left side, that's the profile, I think. Is, is what they're looking for more than anything and maybe Will during a preseason stands out but it seems like they want somebody who's a bit stronger defensively to get into that top six, especially if you have to put them next to Myers
0: uh, They did like some of what uh, Guillaume Brisbois showed last yeah. year and, and there was a couple of games that uh, he really performed well uh, even one early in the season the, against Pittsburgh, that Canucks big win over Pittsburgh early in the season one of their few big wins early in the season yeah. uh, and Guillaume Brisbois showed really well in that game uh, okay, so the continued big storyline of training camp is Vasily Colson and Nils Hoaglander. They remained in their spots from day one, which is Hoaglander with Patterson and Kuzmenko, Colson with J.T. Miller and Brock Besser. I want to hear from Rick Tockett on this because he had some really insightful thoughts and shared sort of just how much runway he is going to leave for those players
2: in those primo spots in the lineup here's Canucks head coach Rick Tockett he's a he's a great kid he takes everything literally though you tell him something then that's all he thinks about so he's got to I like him to play as much as I want to play him wreck I want him to be out there reckless you know play have fun play reckless I think that's what is best when he thinks too much think he gets into trouble so that's 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 on me to get him to relax but i've liked him so far you know and uh, he's just a pleasure to coach the kid the kid's terrific uh terrific kid he, he worked his ass off this summer now it's just to relax and like i told him tonight like he's got to be not to be afraid to talk out there you know like don't be afraid to tell you know hey you go to the net or something like that i think sometimes they're naturally quiet those young guys and you know we're a naturally quiet team and we got to get you know we got to get a little bit more verbally Done with these guys, more communication, which will come. I think it was we going to let the personality come out of these guys. Similar terms you talked about, he needs to show energy. Did you still see that energy? Yeah, he's got a good, lot of good energy. You know, there's, this, I thought, I thought that line is. I mean, they're so creative. Uh, now the next level is when to be really creative and when to make sure that, you know. You're doing the right things without the puck. That that's really what's going to come down to those guys is when they don't have the puck, are they making the right reads? Um, but I thought I thought the offensive zone, they, they had some good good chemistry. Other PD too. Those
3: guys being Hoglander and McColson in, in particular.
2: Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the biggest knows. thing. Though I want him to play reckless too, Hoglander. Now when he doesn't have the puck, I don't want him to play reckless. There's a little there's a difference. Now he's got to know where to go. In certain situations, who's his man? You know, in the slot, is that my man or not? Like he, he, that's the stuff that he's got to really dial up. and I thought he made strides in Abbotsford, um, you know, um, and I think, or even the last couple of years, I think he's made strides. How challenging can it be for a young offensive player to learn
0: that part of the game, and, and is it often something that that takes a little while for guys when they break into the
2: NHL? Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing with we'll play without the puck. You know, with the puck, with the puck, obviously he's very good, and he's shifty, and, um, and and guys like him, it's situational then, right? Do I turn up at the blue? I'm tired. Do I make a play through the middle? No. Right? That's not the time to do it. Um, and when I don't have the puck, when I track back, where am I going? Those are the things that we really got to hone in on him. Um, and to be an everyday player, you have to have that, you know. Um, so that's why.
0: There is head coach Rick Tockett on facility pod Colson, and then later on Nils Hoaglander, Let's start on Pod Colson. Mm-hmm. And uh, this isn't the first time he said this about Pod's play reckless. Yeah. Um and I think there's a lot of teaching still going on with Pod Colson, but just getting him to play with more freedom seems to be the hump that he's really trying to get over.
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting because there's almost too much attention to detail from Colson, whereas for Hoaglander it's a difference. We'll get to Hoglander in a second, but it's they're both similar but very different in, in the things they have to hone in on. And it's interesting that Talk had mentioned and he also mentioned later too that you don't want to take away his confidence too much and get, and be tough on him. You also want to be able to build him up and really back him and give him a real chance to grow out of this shell. And when you, when you have that type of intelligence as a coach, I think, where you see a guy and instead of being like, well, you got to show me 100 percent. And he knows what he has, but I know it seems like he's the type of guy that needs more of a pat on the back. He needs a bit of a pat on the back. He needs a reinforcement. He needs kind of a steadying repetition of being in the same spot to feel that type of confidence. And like we talked to a number of these veterans, when we hear more of these interviews. They keep talking about when you're younger, it's hard to have the confidence sometimes. And that comes with age, comes with experience. But how do you build that up? And I think with Colson, that's going to be the big challenge. And when I hear the coach talk about these guys this way and talks about patience, giving them a chance and letting them, you know, really... Not just earn it, but really grow into it. It makes me kind of wonder if there is a a bigger holistic plan here with these guys, which isn't necessarily just about you have to a hundred percent perform at the highest level to make the team. You're going to give them a chance to make the team. You're going to give them a chance to have success. You give them enough rope where they can either tie it around and stay with the team, or you end up, you know, yeah, running out of that rope and you're done. But and at the end of the day, if you get like say. A month and a half two months in let's say you get 20 games and you can't do anything in that time frame well you you got the chance you need it and if you can't do it then then it really falls on you and i think if this is the approach they are taking with these guys it's going to really come down to these guys taking advantage of it. because i don't see a situation where they're they're forcing them to so-called earn it they do but it's more about we're giving you the opportunity we want you to take advantage of it and if you don't that's on you
0: yeah and right now, the opportunity's there. No Ilya Mikheyev, as we've talked about, and still some wonder as to when he will actually be ready to go. So that gives both Hoaglander and Pod Colson time. Mm-hmm. The other part with Pod is it's like, yeah, you know, we can like Phil Giuseppe as much as we want. But we're all understanding that the upside, the ceiling of a player like facility, Pod and may potentially, like, is higher. So how do you get that? Mm-hmm. This is also a team, though, Sat, that under no circumstances do they want to start slow again. So no, how much are you willing to live with those growing pains if you know, things aren't working out for the first couple of games?
1: Well, the results are going to dictate that, right? You can have the best plans in the world, you're right. And then, you know, like the proverbial saying is, you get punched in the face and you have to adjust. And you know, if the Canucks get punched in the face to start the season again, there isn't going to be as much patience with, let's let these guys figure it out over the first quarter of the year because it may be too late. Now, what I would say is, as much as they are prime opportunities, they're also more insulated opportunities because you're talking about some pretty strong duos with Pedersen and Kuzmenko, third guy Miller and line. Besser, third yeah. guy on the line. So it's a it's a it's it's an easier role to maybe grow into when you get the opportunity, but it's still going to be a challenge. And what I'm really curious about, because I see Pukol's in too, and, and maybe Hoaglander as well, but only one of them is going to get that top six chance, most likely until Mikheyev comes back. Then somebody else has to shift over. So when you listen to what he had to say about Hoaglander and says, it's it's his play away from the puck that has to improve. Whereas Pukol's in. He could play on the third or fourth line and still be able to be effective. Can Hoaglander do that? Yeah, And that's going to be the big question with him. And are you going to be able to show enough and evolve enough that when you do get moved off the top line or things do happen, can you still play or do you have to get healthy scratch? And I think that's going to be the challenge. And every time we still hear about the attention to detail, it's about, you know, you play away from the puck, knowing what to do defensively, knowing which space to be in. It's not like he can't figure it out, but until he figures those things out, he's probably not going to have a role outside of playing in a top six opportunity.
0: Yeah. And you know, Hoaglander knows what his role is. It's been very clearly communicated to him. He's got to be the four checker. He's got to win puck battles. He's got to do those things for that line. If he's going to have success, but your play away from the puck, if you're missing defensive assignments, I don't think there's, I mean, very few coaches are going to have time for that, especially if you're not uh, scoring at a really, really high level. So, Those two continue to be the biggest parts of the conversation. A couple of texts coming in, 650 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. How was Baines? Uh, We've got an interview coming up with Baines a little bit later on. Continued to play with Pugh Suter and Connor Garland Mm -hmm. today. Uh, Just a player that continues to not look out of place, even as a, a guy that spent all season last year in the AHL.
1: Like I mentioned before, like you can't worry too much about individual play. But one yeah. thing that does stand out is if somebody can't grasp what there's, what's being done and is consistently behind the play. At no point has Deep Baines looked like this is too much for him. And that's all I can say, but that's a positive. You know, like in the years past, we joked about this. Like we, we saw players and we're like, yeah, this guy's lost. Like, this guy's messing drills up. Like, how many times yeah. do you see players mess drills up? We don't see that as often. You know, there's been a couple of things that have happened, of course, because it is training camp and guys are, are knocking off the rust. But you're not kind of seeing players really struggle to do the basics. And I think that's a a positive for him. And the fact that he had such a strong young stars and he's getting a legitimate opportunity shows that the organization is intrigued by what he's done and want to see if he can push it a bit farther.
0: Um, Also, this question from Mike H. How does Lowen look, the enforcer that RJ signed? Jermaine Lowen has been with Group C so yes. far, and uh, Group C has not been practicing here at Savon Foods Memorial Center. So We
1: haven't it, been able to see them at
0: all. We haven't been able to see them at all, but uh, we'll try and find out more about Jermaine Lowen as time goes on here through training camp. Stan, Rachel, Satyar Shah. We'll close on this before we get to Ian McIntyre, who uh, did a wonderful interview with Andre Kuzmenko yeah. last week. Um, Kuzmenko was uh, asked about (laughs) Rick Tockett mentioning, you know, if Kuzi scores 60, maybe we're all going to Bali next year. Uh, Kuzmenko has new motivations this year because uh, he's now he knows like if he has a really good season he can go back to Bali next summer.
1: Yeah, and maybe he'll have some teammates in the organization <laughs> going with him. So I mean, he maybe not be going alone uh, when it comes to a Canucks to Bali. And Last
0: year he had the contract year motivation. Now he's got Bali motivation. He's
1: got Bali motivation, man. And I know you know what? And talk mentioned talk had mentioned in his media availability that he's very impressed with Kuzmenko so far. He showed up in great shape and he's doing fantastic. So everything seems very positive. Andre Kuzmenko heading into camp and even how the coach feels and it was also an interesting moment when he was asked about wanting to experience NHL playoff hockey and he talked about how he's seen people wave the white towels when he plays NHL video games and the Canucks make the playoffs he's like I would hope to see that in real life and yes uh, the, the the towel is something that will come out in full force if and when the Canucks make the playoffs so we're seeing his his English get a little bit better and it seems like that personality and charisma is still there
0: Stand Dan Show. Sad T.R. Shaw. Coming up, Ian McIntyre is going to join us, the triple threat on Canuck Central.
1: Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Vancouver sports fans. Halford and Bruff in the morning. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Central in the Mobile Kintex studio. We're here at uh, Savon Foods Arena. Savon Foods Memorial Center in Victoria wrapping up day two of Canucks training camp. Being too busy feels like the new norm. You're probably in the middle of something right now, but taking time for yourself just got a little bit easier with Audible. Perfect for listening on the go, so your me time is open wide. Explore premium storytelling with Canadian voices across multiple genres with over 800,000 titles, including best-selling audiobooks, podcasts, and exclusive originals. Join and listen free for 30 days. Visit audible.ca. There's more to imagine with Audible. You are listening to Canuck Central. We've got some uh, exclusive interviews coming up a little bit later on in the show. And uh, by some, I mean quite a few. Quite a few, yes. <laughs> we have Brock Besser, Noah Julesen, Matt Irwin, Sergey Gonchar, uh, Arsteet Baines, Matt Irwin, all coming up later on in the show.
1: And did we say Teddy Bluger? And Teddy Bluger. There we go.
0: <sighs> How could I forget Teddy?
1: Teddy. And Ada McDonough too. There we and go. And Ada McDonough. I a, told you we had so many. I, 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 I couldn't I think, even remember them. I think we're gonna. I think by the time we're done, we're gonna have about fifteen, <laughs> 15 or sixteen interviews. Yeah, maybe uh, even more. We'll see what told. we do tomorrow. Yeah. So
0: make sure you're subscribing to the podcast. Uh, anything that we do that doesn't get out through the shows that we're doing, will end up on the podcast feed somehow. So we're gonna have Ian McIntyre join us uh, here in a couple of moments. Um, do we have iMac now? All right, we do. He is the triple threat. Ian McIntyre, what's happening at IMAC?
3: Well, if either of you happen to have a thousand words in your pocket that you could send my way, I'm staring at a blank screen. (laughs) But it's always stimulating intellectually to come on your show. So maybe by the end of my appearance, I'll have an idea of what the heck I'm going to write for Sportsnet for tomorrow.
1: And isn't that the great part of this training camp? Not for us, because you know, obviously, the more talking points are better. But in terms of team success, the fact that we have to stare and be like, "So, what is really the story today?" Does that not tell you how how much how much more organized and
3: and kind of on point things seem this time around? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, part of it, from my perspective, is that I've been lucky, and I I had a really good interview with Thatcher Demko earlier this week, and I talked to Andre. Because Menko uh, out at out at UBC and uh, Elias Petterson finally took care of business, and we've all talked about Quinn Hughes. So I'm kind of running out of core players uh, to talk about. But it has been like even yesterday. You know, the uh, Pedersen at first, I thought the way he handled the questions it seemed kind of abrupt, and we all know that. That the PD that we see in front of cameras uh, can be quite different than the Elias Pedersen you sit and just have a conversation with after a practice in February. Um, but initially, I thought it, you know he could have handled a little better. But when I went through the quotes, I mean, it really wasn't uh, it really wasn't that bad, and, and I think he was honest. And he, uh, I don't think uh, obviously one prep. Press conference is going to alleviate the terror in the market that Elias Peterson might play elsewhere after this contract. But I, in in hindsight, I thought I thought he did okay to deal with it on day one. And then you had the, the Mikheyev story, which could have been a huge story, but thankfully it's not. And it's not. Uh, and the reason I say thankfully is because you know talk is saying today that there's a chance. He didn't say that Mikheyev would be back, but a chance they could be back uh tomorrow so clearly you know a two-day leave of absence to deal with a personal matter is a lot better than a two-month leave of absence uh, you know to deal with who knows what so even that didn't turn out to be a story and here we are on day two and we're kind of uh looking looking for storylines so that is a good thing compared to all the drama that this team has taken us through it's been it's been can't miss viewing it has filled my laptop screen many days over the last three years, but I'm ready I'm ready for different news now. So maybe no news is good news for them. Not necessarily good news for, for those of us in the media. But as you guys know, I've been doing this a long time. I'll always find something to write about. And there are some pretty good stories to write about still.
0: I'll never believe that Ian McIntyre has writer's block. I'll say that much. (laughs) Um, It it does feel like that was maybe even part of the the motivation with um, trading Tanner Pearson before camp really even truly broke. Just like, why have any sort of distraction? And it's sort of been the theme here from... Uh, I guess early in the off season, wanting to to be uh, not the chaos organization that they had become over the last couple of seasons. We've seen even through these first couple of days of camp, why isn't there a ton of you know things to talk about? Why isn't there like huge standout players that were shouting from the mountaintops? It's basically like they've just worked on structure. Like that's that's a, like a lot of the drills and everything they've done so far. IMAC has been about. Yeah structure and breakouts and retrievals and all the things that this team has struggled with in the last number of years.
3: Yeah. It seems like they're not scrambling to build a hockey team. They're just trying to advance the team that they now have. And, and that's, those are two very different, very different things. I would go even uh, farther back as far as eliminating distractions or potential distractions. I, I, I don't think it, it was at all um, a coincidence or or untimely that they announced Quinn Hughes as captain when they did, because they didn't want to come into a camp where there were going to be questions about who's the leader, who's going to be captain, is it going to be Petey, is it going to be Quinn? And it's, it's very rarely a bad news story when you're naming a captain, so it's not like they needed to hide from it. But it was just another bit of business that they took care of in advance so that we're not talking to players about it now. And, and I think the trade with for uh, Casey DeSmith sending Tanner Pearson the other way was fantastic timing on, on the hockey team's part. In fact, I had to rewrite, and I've just told you how hard it is to write some days. I know you're feeling <laughs> sorry for it. I actually had to rewrite a lot of my training camp preview because I had, a, I had identified four storylines to follow in training camp in the preseason, and two of the four were: Is Tanner Pearson going to play and where, and who's going to be the backup? And they took care of both of those with one trade. So I had to come up with some new topics. Uh, I just it, it just has a business like feel, and the term that I've used is is a, a singular purpose. That's what it feels like to me that the singular purpose now is just to get ready for October 11th so that this team can try to win some games coming out, coming out of the gate. There's, there's not, there's not all this other drama about individuals and, and off ice stuff. It, it's all about, and really, honestly, there, there's not that much mystery about who's going to be on the team or isn't. Mm-hmm. Certainly they've got to sort out the bottom of the defense and and the fourth line, but you, you have to sort that out every year. But I think whoever they pick for those spots is not going to be a surprise if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. like the we know who the candidates are most of them have played in the nhl they're not forcing anyone along Uh, i think you know they really are just acting like a hockey team that knows what it is and knows what it needs to do to be better and the most immediate thing they need to do to be better is to have a a Better preparation, have cohesiveness and continuity through this camp and preseason, so that when the season starts, they can do a hell of a lot better than they mm-hmm. did the last two years at the start. Uh, what do you A make? singular purpose: yes. to That's win. Good. To get ready yes. and win.
1: Well, and it's something that, you know, has clearly been lacking. And, I mean, that's been the big takeaway, has been the kind of the focus of the team and everything they've done so far to ensure they get off to a good start start as an organization. And I think the other kind of story outside of the Pedersen thing, like you kind of mentioned before, and that's still very much, hey, let's see kind of what happens as the season goes on, to me has been the inclusion of Hoaglander and Colson so far into the top six, Hoaglander with Pedersen and Kuzmenko, and Colson with Miller and Besser. And the coach, Rick Taka, today mentioning that, you kinda of have to also give these guys a chance, but be patient with it. Does it doesn't that seem like they're they're gonna give these two guys the best chance possible to have success this season?
3: Well I think I think they have to sad and, and obviously now is the time where they can afford mm-hmm. to give them that opportunity because they haven't yet played a preseason game. Now if 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 Hoaglander looks lost in the first preseason game, I'm not sure there'll be a second one for him with that group, with on that line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. And, and obviously, Mikheyev is a huge wild card. And when Mikheyev's healthy, that's where he's going to play. Uh, but Hoeklander has a chance now. He has sort of the stage, so to speak, to make his case. But I think the team has to do this with with those two players. We've talked so much about, you know, who they have coming up from, from the minors and that generally... There's a bigger prospect well not generally, there is a bigger prospect pool now, considerably than there was a year ago. But there's not a whole lot of these blue chip guys, guys that you identify and say, This guy's gonna be an NHL player and this guy's gonna help the Canucks try to win win games. Well Hoglander and, and Pod Colson, first and second round picks from the from the same draft they're not can't-miss guys, but they're certainly two guys because they've already played a lot of of their formative years as a pro. They've already played a lot of games in the NHL. So those are two guys that you say that... I'm not saying you, you're predicting that they're going to help this team win, but they're the guys nearest to being able to help you uh, among prospects. And I don't know if that... This is so convoluted it doesn't make sense but these are guys that you know they're going to face um uh, at some point waiver decisions on them and and they've got it they've got to determine are, are are they nhl players or not and i think they are going to be nhl players but what kind of nhl players and are they actually going to be guys who help you win well you, you have to give them every opportunity to show that they can can help you. And I think the other thing with those two guys in particular is each one in his own way struggled uh, last season. I mean, they, they both were in the American Hockey League and, and Hoaglander ended up spending the bulk of the year there and finishing the mm-hmm. year there. Pod Colson, at least, was able to orchestrate a U-turn for himself and get back to the NHL. But when you're very young players who have been in the NHL and you send them to the American Hockey League. As Henrik told me last year when Pod Coulson got there, he thought he acted like his career was over. Like, I'm done. I, I failed. I'm in the American Hockey League after being in the NHL. You have to with young players who have earned a right to compete again for an NHL spot. You have to show confidence in them. You, have to, you can't treat them like you're waiting for that next mistake so that you can push them down the the depth chart and eventually back to the AHL. You have to try to build, rebuild. You're, you're building the player, but you're also rebuilding confidence. You're rebuilding them mentally. And you know that this is how you do it. You, you show confidence in them by giving them uh, uh, assignments high up in the lineup. You put them with players who are core players to your team and and those guys are helping the young guys. Like Elias Patterson, I can guarantee you, has, t- has talked a lot to, to Hoaglander. I mean, they are friends, so they talk anyways. But he he will have done a lot to encourage him and keep him believing in himself. We know J T. Miller because Miller talked yesterday about how much he likes Pod Coles and, and how he's talked to them because he too Miller you know, was was a big forward who got sent to the minors and kind of had to find his way at the NHL level. And I talked to, I talked to Vasily today and, and he talked about how much JT has helped him and how much confidence he got, how happy he was when he came to training camp and he saw who he was going to be skating with. So, you know, good on the organization for recognizing that these players are at a pivotal pivotal point in their development as NHL players, and they're also at, in some respects, a vulnerable point in their development. And you try to take away that self-doubt, you try to build them up, and you do that by showing confidence in them, by giving them the placements that they have. All that said, and I know I've talked a while, but all that said, it still is going to come down to how do they look in the games, and will they still be there? on october 11th will they will they even be on the roster on october 11th i mean i think they will but it's going to be up to them in the preseason you know this is like a this is like a a little head start that rick Tockett and the staff have given these two guys but you still got to run the race you still got to get to the finish line
0: Ian McIntyre, our guest. You know, you, you mentioned Petterson and and Miller taking bigger leadership roles. Your one of your latest pieces at uh, at .ca Talk to Thatcher Demko, and you know he throws it all the way back to, to Richard Brodeur as uh, you know a a leader for Canucks teams in the past and wanting to follow in those footsteps. It's kind of a different role for a goalie, but it's it's clearly something that that Thatcher is is prioritizing in his own development and growth as a player.
3: Yeah, and you know, it, it's tricky for a goalie. And by the way, Thatcher did surprise me with yeah. the Richard Brodeur reference because I didn't bring up Brodeur. I, I brought up the guys this century. I mentioned, you know, Luongo and Miller and Markstrom. And he brought up Kirk and and before that Richard Brodeur. So, so good on him for being so aware about the history of this organization and the legacy of that position in Vancouver. But it's tricky with goalies because we know that in a lot of respects, they're kind of an island unto themselves on, on the ice, and a lot of them are very uh, pe- peculiar <laughs> in in some way or another. And and that's just how uh, I think you have to be sometimes to be a goalie. So you have to be careful about adding more because it's it's we all know it's by far the most technical position and the evolution of it. You know what worked five years ago already is is being improved. Uh, upon and and you know it, it is a challenging, demanding position, unlike I think most others in sports. I know there's comparables, you know, quarterback in football, you know yada, 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 but I, I think being a starting goalie on a hockey team in the NHL is one of the most uh, demanding things in in all of sports. and then so it's hard enough to play, and now you're adding this other layer of responsibility. Publicly saying you're our leader, um and and you know basically pushing the person to the front, and and uh, in everybody's view, I think Thatcher is is fine with that. I, I think he's he's an incredibly thoughtful, cerebral goalie. He does a lot of thinking. He's got a big brain, uh, and you know I think he's going to be able to handle this. And, and I think in, in some respects, just as putting, you know, Pod Colson and, and Hoaglander up the lineup to start training camp gives them confidence. I think this was tremendously beneficial for, for Demko to, for the organization to basically say, you know, you're one of our leaders and, you know, let's not be foolish. He has been a leader for this team. Like, he was a big voice in the dressing room last season, a big presence on this team. But when you publicly acknowledge it, uh, the way the Canucks have, you know, from the, the Quinn Hughes press conference to announce his captaincy and at other times, um, it, it kind of, uh, it, it's making things more official, right? It, it's telling everyone that this is, this is who we are as a team and, and these are the guys who are going to lead us. And I think I think Demko is is up to that task. I li- I liked a lot of the things he said. You know, he says he loves the idea of of leadership and the legacy that he's being asked to carry on. Uh, as far as some of these really good goalies that Vancouver has had, and uh, I think he's going to have a big season. We know that he has to if this team is mm-hmm. going to have any chances. As um, you know, Jim Rutherford said in his press conference, and it got some attention that. Uh, everything has to go right basically i'm paraphrasing for this team to be a playoff team um i would say the number one thing uh, is they have to get they have to get goaltending from thatcher demko like they mm-hmm. did at the end of the year and not like they did at the beginning
1: no absolutely i mean it's such a big part of the, the, the success of this organization because it's tied into having a, high, a high-end goalie uh before we let you go what do you make of the opportunity that seems to present itself for a number of defensemen here? We know the guys are going to be on this team, you know, Cole, Heronik, uh, Hughes, and Myers. I mean, we know those five are going to be here. The rest, however, it seems like th- there are a couple spots here for the taking for some young defensemen or some journeymen, whether you consider uh, Matt Irwin or Noah Julson, journeymen. But it seems like there's a real opportunity here for a couple of guys to grab spots.
3: Yeah, well, Susie's one of the five. I don't know if yeah. you mentioned that. Yes, um, yes. But I-, I think it's really uh, telling that uh, Guillaume Brisebois is getting the first chance it seems to be the third pairing guy third pairing left side partner with Tyler Myers and of course they played together um, a a fair bit at the end of last season after Brisebois graduated and that's the term I would use because it wasn't just like a temporary call up and we'll send you down you know when when the need for you here is done it was you know, especially speaking to Ryan Johnson last year, it's like this guy has now graduated. He's now an NHL player. Where he fits in this in this lineup, this roster, uh, I don't know. But if you start with the premise that you're an NHL player and you're going to have to play your way off the team uh, for you not to be somewhere, uh, I I think I, I think that uh, makes a strong statement about where Breezebois is with this organization. So I think right now. I'd say it's it's job to lose as as the third pairing guy, and then as the seventh guy, it could be it could be Matt Irwin, it could be uh, Christian Wallanen, it could it could be um, Noah Juleson. Mm-hmm. But it, just as I said about ten minutes ago, that whoever wins these jobs at the bottom of the lineup, it's not going to be it's not going to be shock, because all of those guys. You know, Juleson hasn't had a lot of of NHL time, but Willannon played a lot in the NHL before he came to the Canucks and basically, you know, uh, realigned his career by going to the minors. And Irwin, uh, of course, 35-year-old guy who spent a lot of years in the NHL. These are really competent, capable players. So it is going to be interesting to watch. You know, where does Jack Rathbone fit in? Is he really... In the conversation, um, I mean, we'll 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 have to wait and see. But I, I think that uh, whoever they choose, it's going to be guys with NHL pedigree, and it's not really going to surprise anyone who's filling out the bottom of the defense.
0: Uh, before we let you go, uh, Andre Kuzmenko spoke uh, to a group of reporters and was asked about you know being able to go back to Bali next summer if he has a good season and maybe his teammates joining him. He said. Essentially said, well now I have mo- more motivation to, to have a good season because I'll get <laughs> I'll get to go back to Bali. Maybe we'll have training camp in Bali next summer
3: oh, if I'll,
0: if Kuzi uh, has a, has a good season. IMac,
3: yeah, how good would that be? Although
0: <laughs> training camp, um, you think the Bali sports, uh, sports I, I, was gonna, I was going to I was going to talk about training camp. Uh, yeah, I was
3: going I was going to talk about the, the amount of work that's involved in training camp, but nobody wants to hear that because yeah. it's just you know, what do I what do I do for a living? Bali would be nice. The venue doesn't matter all that much because of, of what we do. But I thought yeah. I thought the quote of the of the press conference, the coach and management press conference on Wednesday, was Rick Talkett. If he scores 60, we're all going to Bali. <laughs> yeah. I love
0: it. Yeah. Kuzi uh, just changing the Canucks uh, organization one step at a time. Uh, thanks for this, IMac. Appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow. We'll see you here tomorrow at Save On Foods Memorial Center. That is Ian McIntyre, the triple threat, joining us. Here on Canuck Central.
1: Yeah, great stuff as always from IMac, and I mean we'd love to have. I mean, he's right. It's funny because this is the first time Josh is at training camp. Yeah. And earlier Josh was was commenting like it's it's a lot of work at training camp. It's <laughs> like yeah, it's it's fun to be here. Obviously yes. this job is fun no matter what. But it's like yeah, it's a lot of work. You you show up early. You're watching everything, doing interviews, and you get to your show. And these guys are right. Like you don't finish stuff until you get to the evening time. And guys get here at like nine a.m. until the evening and, and get work done. It's a lot of fun, not complaining. But he's right. Like even if we went to Bali, it's not like we would be able to enjoy the beach. The that's true.
0: All. No, it's you know? uh, it's probably true. Yeah, there would be no uh, golfing, <laughs> beaching, yeah, spending time with elephants, whatever it is one does in Bali. Uh, when yeah. in Bali, I guess. <laughs> Dan Richa Satyar Shaw coming up. The mailbag. It is a mailbag Friday. We've got that coming up next. Your questions for us here on Canuck Central.